Hi everybody, and welcome to Three Sheets of the Mouse. My name is Bill McKim. I'm up here in the control center, and in just a couple of minutes, you're going to be out there listening to an adult-themed Disney podcast with content and language that may not be suitable for younger passengers. We're ready. Oh, great. Well, Sherry says we're ready, so we'll see you out there on the podcast. Good luck. That little twig. I know it's unsorted, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. And injustice deliciously squared. Be free. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of Three Sheets to the Mouse. We're five average guys with a love for all things Disney. And joining me on this week's show are four guys who salute all nations but mostly America. Tim. What's up? Jason. Semper Fi. Adam. What's up, everybody? And Mikey. I don't have anything clever. I'm sorry. I've had a hell of a day. (laughs) Jason threw me with his Latin. I'm trying, I don't know. (laughs) You are... (laughs) E pluribus unum. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) We're here to talk to you about Disney Parks, Disney booze, and a little bit of debauchery in between. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a buttery nipple, and enjoy the adult side of Disney with three sheets to the mouse. Uh, So as we get started on this week's episode, Jason, uh, what do you got in your glass tonight? I am rolling with the Bull Falls Brewery Holzenhocker Lager. Wait, Hosenhocker? You know, I've seen those videos where they just (laughs) run on it, (laughs) slap it a few times. Sit backwards. (laughs) Is, Is it... Oh, whole, oh, Holes Hawker. That's what I said. H-O-L-Z. It's that Wisconsin yes. accent. Gets me. Yeah. How about you, Scott? What are you drinking? I seen you shaking some ice up. Yeah, I, I did. I, I mixed myself a little little uh, cocktail here. We have the High Tower Rocks, except it's yellow. And I'll tell you why. Urine. So last week, you know, Andrea's laid up with a bum leg. So we've been doing, and we normally do shop right from home. We have the de- the groceries shopped for us, and then we they either deliver to the house or we go pick it up. I'm telling you what, it's awesome because I don't have to spend two and a half hours in the grocery store getting hit in the back by some old lady's shopping cart. So she ordered a watermelon. I was like, great, I'm gonna cut it up. I'll make some. I'll make my high tower rocks. It'll be awesome. I cut it open, and the goddamn thing's yellow. A yellow. It's a watermelon? yellow watermelon. Yes, I've I was never like, seen a yellow. I, watermelon. I, I I literally looked at. It, I was like, "What the fuck did she buy?" It's them fucking GMOs. It's a yellow watermelon. It it's yellow. <laughs> How does no, it taste? It tastes. It tastes the same. Just like a watermelon, huh? And goddamn, that's refreshing. That's really. I good. bet you, if you put a black light up to that, that thing would yep. glow. But, I'm thinking it, but it's des- but it's designed to be yellow. I don't know why. I don't know how. But it's it tastes almost almost the same. It's not got that like sweet uh sweet flavor to it that most watermelon Isn't that the has? whole point of, uh, like, i don't know i don't think she got a watermelon it's, yeah. it's not it's, as sweet it's still sweet and refreshing but it's not as sweet as like it's red not watermelon. a cucumber melon. probably some sort of hybrid no it's not a cucumber melon it's it said yellow oh, watermelon well what the hell did you so expect weird. Well, no, I, I didn't. I didn't notice it until after I cut into it. I looked at the little the little sticker on. it. I was like, what "The fuck is a yellow watermelon?" So it was supposed to be yellow, but it's good. So high tower rocks, tequila, sweet and sour uh, mix, lime juice, and uh, some watermelon juice. 
That and ship this is was fresh. Yeah. yeah, you're drinking nothing but quinine and semen. Mm. <laughs> Formaldehyde. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, it tastes really good. It tastes it tastes just like the uh, just like the High Tower Rocks. So, but not with watermelon. With uh, not less sweet watermelon. Yeah, a little so bit less sweet. It's, it's like it's really a mellow good. melon, a mellow yellow melon. Yeah, kind of. So it's basically honeydew. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> there you go, honeydew. Tim, Tim, what are you what are you drinking tonight, Timmy? I've got a nice bottle of Deer Park 100% natural spring water. <laughs> Rough weekend or early no morning? early morning tomorrow? Adam, how about you? You got something I got in the glass? A bottle of Sutter Home. That was free, so I got to drink it. <laughs> uh, free booze is always welcome. So, um, Mikey, you haven't told you haven't told me you what you're drinking. Yet. Mikey, what are you drinking? Well, this uh, this episode is going to kind of drop close to uh, the fourth, um, which is obviously Independence Day here in the states. Uh, I think everywhere else it's just the fourth of July. But I, I was at the uh, liquor store the other day, and I thought, man, what what better uh, beer to drink to to honor our our great country? You can't get any more American than you know the old Sam Adams, right? I mean, that's Revolutionary War Patriot you know? Brewmaster. But I'm waiting for a I'm waiting Patriot for a IPA. Yeah. No, oh, and and yeah. I picked it up, and I've got it. It's in the fridge, but. My uh, but. <laughs> there it is. my brother-in-law said, "No, this this is the beer you need to be drinking right here for your your episode that's going to drop near the near the fourth. And you know, we we um we didn't really do anything necessarily for the uh, Veterans Day and Memorial Day and stuff like that. So he handed me a a can of uh, the Dog Tag Legacy Lager." Which is oh. a beer that, if you don't know, um, has a dog tag on it with the name and rank of a uh, soldier in the military that has fallen while serving. So tonight, nice. I am uh, I'm raising my beer to Captain Ryan K. Ianelli of the U.S. Marine Corps, who uh, finished his service on 28th of September 2011. He was a captain... A, a pilot of uh, helicopters. So that's that's what I'm that's what that, I'm drinking right there. That is the coolest fucking beer ever. Wow. So the first time in the history the of three sheets, you got me in a few. Hey, every oh, I, you know, oh, reading this thing, every wow. uh, every 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 Ooh. six pack or whatever purchased the profits, um, they go to. Uh, Charities created or selected by uh, Gold Star uh, families. So wow, it's that's awesome. that's even yeah, better. It comes. Cool. It's and what go- was his name? Uh, his name is uh, Captain Ryan K. Ianelli, who is from Joyzy. Well, Captain, this show is dedicated to you, my friends. To Captain Ianelli. So you're here. Semper that's, Fi. that's what I'm drinking. Right now, when when I'm done with Captain Ian Ellie, I'll be opening up some uh, Sam some Rebel Sam IPA. Adams. But. Nice, that's a good beer too. That's a good beer too. So, as Mikey said, we are we're gonna. This is our official Fourth of July episode. 
Uh, we're going to salute all nations, but mostly America. Actually, no, fuck that. We're going to just salute America. Fuck the rest of the world. Because we're better. We're number one. And Canada, Canada, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, Canada. I'm look, back to back. Look at you, Julius. <laughs> back to back World War champs. <laughs> back to back World right. War champs. But hang on a second before I take all credit away from Canada. The uh, sniper kill that was, I'm not going to get into a hoorah here, but uh, world record sniper kill recently from a Canadian sniper. So they are, they are, they do have forces to be reckoned with. So I'm not going to Well, gonna Canada's got out. plenty of room to practice them long range skills. That's true. <laughs> Nothing but wilderness and moose up you there. Know. Oh, I got a, th- I got a thousand yard on a moose. In fucking snow. And yeah. Cold. Oh, don't you know? Bobby's mom. I asked him to just stop. He wouldn't do it. <laughs> oh, so it's getting bad. I don't know. Irish. Yeah, getting bad. I, yeah, I don't know what Scottish. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not known for my, oh, my Canadian. Women, women. I I don't I don't speak Canadian. I I don't have time for that. It's like speaking French. All right, Scott. What's this what show is? all about? So, <laughs> so tonight's show is all about America, ah uh, fucking America. We're going to talk about we're going to talk talk about Disney's Disney's love for his country. Um, Walt was a fierce patriot. Uh, he he testified at HUAC. He hated the commies, and we really wanted to get into and dig down into Walt's patriotism and what what the Walt Disney Company did to to honor America, to help America, uh, because they they've had they've had quite a number of um, ventures over the year through media through the parks that have honored America. So uh, what other, what, what better way to do that than uh, hand this, hand this uh, show off to Jason today? Hey, listen, um, this all started, we got an email back. Uh, it was actually on June 12th. You know, I get emails randomly from some of the listeners and they're just touching base and saying hello. But uh, Shane Poocher, Pooker, Poocher, man, if I'm messing up your name, I apologize. Um, he sent an email. Let me share it with you quick. He says, hey, man, I love the show. Well, I'm not in grad school and at one of my day jobs, I'm constantly listening to the newest episodes or older episodes. I was wondering if you have ever thought about maybe doing an episode on Disney and its military roots. As a soldier, it's always been interesting to see the connection both groups have and even how Disney in some things has held on to the traditions and in others it's lost it. For instance... They still do a retreat and pick a vet to be the guy or girl to help me with that. I always wanted to do that. Then there is the animation store in Springs. I think it's called The Art of... And we know what you're talking about, Shane. On my honeymoon, my wife and I wanted to get one done with Mickey in uniform, with Minnie in a wedding dress. The cast member or artist told us they can't draw Mickey in a military uniform because it would be offensive which I totally understand. An addendum there, Shane. I don't understand that. And, um, and I understand you're, you're, you're being um, pleasant about it. Uh, myself, I find that despicable. However, Disney did them right. Let me continue. About 20 minutes later, we left the store, and this cast member, member came running after us and slipped us a little card that she made from a tore-up piece of paper with a Mickey in uniform and sketched was sketched and colored with a note that meant the world to me and my wife and we still have it to this day and it's been framed things like this that really don't even begin to scratch the surface of the relationship between the two organizations um 
Shane kicked it off where it really kind of opened up a door for us. So maybe we need to go ahead and, and delve into uh, Disney's relationship with the military. And as we started really looking into it, uh, it's a very strong tradition. And it all starts back with Walt Disney. Uh, look, I don't know if any of you guys knew this, but Walt Walt had balls of steel, man. Uh, this guy... This guy forged his birth certificate so he can get into the get in, try yeah. and get in the yeah, military. Yeah, a year early. To, so he went to the right. The I mean, Cross I mean, and it's like corps. it was also correct. to follow his brother in too. Yes, and, and and the interesting thing about that is it opened up doors to let let Disney to where it is. But anyways, after um, you know he he got there and and he was arrived in France. It was after an armistice, and then he started drawing cartoons on the side of ambulances for decorations. And then he had some work published in the Stars and Stripes. But when he returned back to Kansas City, he started working for Pestman Rubin Commercial Art Studio, and that's where he met Iwerks. I have a hard time trying to figure out exactly how Mr. Iwerks wants his name pronounced. It, um, it is, is it UB? Um, because um, it, 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 um, it, yeah. for, for two letters, um, I, I just, it, it, it's, it's, it's a mouthful to me. Like if you were from if you were from New York, you would want to go to if you wanted to go to the middle of the Magic Kingdom, you'd go the to the UB. UB. Yeah, the UB. <clears throat> well, UB Iwerks um, is the guy that Walt teamed up with. You know, he's he was born in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, the son of a pair of you know German immigrants. And him and Walt met uh, while they were working together uh, at, at the art studio there. Uh, and it was a relationship that paired really well. They ended up working together for, you know, nearly a decade before Ub decided, uh, without getting into the politics of it, he wanted to pursue his own artistic uh, endeavors. Um, but before that, he, he is, uh, Ub was, you know, largely regarded as being basically Walt's workhorse in the early years of the animation that uh, Disney was doing. Um, everything from uh, refining Walt's crude sketch of Mickey Mouse, which he did on a train ride, right up to creating Oswald and, and virtually animating all of the Steamboat Willie short. You know, Ub was, was right there, was his right-hand man. And without, I would say without Ub, you probably wouldn't have Disney. Oh, um, absolutely. Uh, Ub, Ub, was, uh, Ub was a guy that worked for nothing. Yeah. When Disney couldn't pay his animators, he was the one guy that stuck around and said, you know what, I'll do it for you because I'm your buddy. And for all of his contributions to Disney, um, the most notable thing he did was his wife. Because their son, uh, named Don Iwerks, is basically Disney royalty that I would say probably yes. not everybody's heard of. I mean, the, maybe they've heard you know the last name, but they don't know the impact that Don had within the Disney filmmaking, uh, you know, uh, uh, community. I guess production, whatever. Um, this guy started modestly within the company as just he Don, he started, he was just a, in a tech in the machine shop. Really nobody, you know, as, as far behind the scenes as you can get, you know, 
right before the guy who's mopping the floor. Okay, then, then, then there was Don, who was just a tech in the machine shop. He worked his way up from that to actually becoming a camera tech and working on the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea film with, you know, everybody's favorite actor, Kirk Douglas. And without him, we wouldn't have had Michael Douglas. And without Michael Douglas, uh, what the hell would Catherine Zeta-Jones be doing right now? Uh, Comic-Con. Without, yeah. But, you know, he, he was able to parlay that into a, a three-decade-long career working uh, with, with Disney. Um, the dude is listed, he worked on Tron, the original Tron. So he's, he's, got, he's, got, he's got some pull. He's got some clout within the Disney world. Uh, but, you know, he, he um, like his dad, ultimately he ended up leaving Disney and starting his own company, iWorks Entertainment. Uh, but while, just before that, while he was still with Disney, he was uh, responsible for pioneering the 360-degree camera uh, technique um, and produced like the very first Circle Vision film for uh, America the Beautiful, which was taken to uh, was it, it was, uh, the World's Fair in like where yeah. was it? It was uh, taken to the World's Fair, not in America, because it's the World's Fair, not the America's Fair. Uh, right. But yeah, he 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 basically like Circle Vision was like all his his baby. He he figured out how to run the cameras, the technique for filming it the way to edit it, and he, he, he moved from that into iWorks Entertainment, which is kind of still around today because they got bought out and they bought some people out, but iWorks Entertainment is uh, responsible for a lot of the technology used in a lot of the virtual reality rides, motion rides, and he was actually um, brought on to help with the uh, preliminary designs for a lot of those rides that you see at Disney Quest, um, you know he he worked on a lot of the stuff similar to like the Star Tours, basically is what what I works and there's I mean they're still building stuff today. So the guy you know was a uh, a camera tech and turned it into some serious cash. So you know good on you, Ub and his wife who's not listed anywhere on the internet. But <laughs> oh, his wife is actually oh no, not no, Don's wife. wife or, no, or, Don's wife Uggs. is an award-winning um, what biography filmmaker or something like that, Leslie. But Ub's wife, we're gonna just call her Wub. Wub. Yeah, I can't, I can't find anything on her. So apparently, she's like, I can't believe I married a guy named Ub, who's actually named after his dad. It's his dad's middle name. So I'm not I'm not shitting on the iWorks. And it's uh, it, and that's that's what there's a lot of these segues with Disney that if just one little chain was missing from this this actually you know what one little segment of this web Disney wouldn't be where it was today. It's almost like it's almost as if Disney was destined to be what it is today because everything just just fell yeah. into place. Him and his company. I mean, you could almost you could almost parallel uh, Don Iwerks. Uh, to Walt Disney, in that he he took something and and made a, a, a an outright you know enterprise out of it. I, IWorks actually bought out McFadden Entertainment, I believe, or McFadden Systems, um, in the uh, in the sixties, I guess. But th- and they actually were used to create um, taking it right back to the military. McFadden Systems uh, 
used to make motion simulators that were used in military training. So, you know, it all comes back around. So we had Dumbo was released in 1941, and right about that time, we all know that December 7th, the, uh, we were attacked at Pearl Harbor. So being forced into another war, the, uh, the United States government looked at Disney for some propaganda help. All right, so Disney formed the Walt Disney Training Film Unit. And it was uh, basically um, to produce instruction films for the military. Now, the government looked at Walt Disney for the main studio, to, for public morale, for propaganda, for training. There was uh, such a demand for it that over 90% of Disney's employees were devoted to the production of the training and propaganda films. Now, Disney produced over, well, close to half a million feet. I mean, the exact number is about 400,000 feet of, of war films uh, at cost. Most of it was at cost. I want to throw that in there. You know, that's that's another that's another thing that, um, you know, as a business owner doing this for his country at that time, I mean, that's huge. So uh, 68 hours of continuous film. You know, in 1943 alone, I mean, it, it's it 204,000 feet of film was produced. I mean, this is this is huge, guys, huge. We'll start with uh, the Navy productions. Now, the Navy requested 90,000 feet of film to be ready in three months, and that's where Disney was like uh, so taken back by it because he's only used to doing 27,000 feet of film in a year. Now, of course, when we say feet, we're talking about the old reels, and, and, and that was a measurement that was used. So for the Navy to, to drop that on them was uh, huge. So aerology film production was supervised by the naval aviation experts, and uh, they were using um, uh, film for the Army Air Forces, and one of the big ones was Victory Through Air Power. One of uh, one of those films, as you know, as many of films are based off of a book. You know, Victory Through Air Power had, uh, was something that Walter Disney read, just you know, and decided, hey, this is a this message needs to get out there. And he, it wasn't even a uh, a cartoon, or I, I even hesitate to call it a cartoon because it was pretty much a feature film, and it, and it wasn't even made for you know the the masses at large really it was basically made to be uh, distributed amongst like the politicians and the governing officials and stuff um it, it the book was written by a guy named uh, Alexander Desiversky um and he actually appears in the movie in live action as opposed to it being predominantly an animated film you have Alexander who don't worry about it. Was that, was that? Oh, I thought it was someone's vibrator going off. Because that went off and Tim hopped up, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Damn it. Adam's no. pushing buttons on the Bluetooth. Uh, so yeah. My mouse has <laughs> Yeah, Alexander, he appears in it. Um, I, 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 I know at the very beginning he appears in it. It's It's... I think realistically the film wasn't very uh, well received by like film critics because they were looking for something entertaining and they felt like they had a hard sell applied to them uh, because it seemed a little pushy the way it was forced into the whole air superiority thing and 
you know, use the bombers because their guns are always ready to fire. Uh, it was, but it's, it's interesting when you see a Disney film, like most of these films, when you're, you know, me as a child, I'm used to Disney being everything, you know, happy princesses and butterflies. And then you see this stuff, which is so, so the polar opposite, you know, and it all serves a purpose to, to spread, you know, the, the message of, you know, patriotism and support of the government, support of the war effort, and, and, and basically victory over the Axis uh, and, and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, Jason, you mentioned that, you know, Disney did all this stuff at cost. He actually financed victory f- with his own money. And, you know, because it wasn't necessarily something that was released nationally, like he even had a hard time finding a distributor for it. His uh, traditional distributor who, who dealt with, you know, most of the Disney animated films, uh, RKO, uh, they didn't want anything to do with it. So he had to... I was going to say, this was, this was kind of an interesting point that, uh, that I... If you look at, a, at Disney's history through films, RKO was so against this film, they refused to release it. And it kind of led the way to split to the Buena Vista Pictures. This, this, this is what started the split with RKO. Well, it's, you know, this is going back to public opinion and, and trying to sell something that was practical and intricate that, that we needed these to win the war. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, basically, it's, here's the theory on uh, the practical uses of long-range strategic bombing. You know, we're going to use cartoons and we're going to show you guys how we as allies are going to win the war with this. Um, I I can honestly see how it wasn't well received. I mean, yes, put it in front of Congress, you know, but for a uh, mass-produced film, I'm not feeling it. It it kept Disney in the red for almost two years. You know, it took them until 1945 to earn back uh, $1.2 million in in deficit from all of his... uh, War propaganda films and you know, and stuff like that. So that that pretty much tells me that this was something he was very passionate about. You know, he paid his uh, his staff, his artists, his his animators. You know, it had a full musical score. I mean, this wasn't something thrown together. This was a I I, I would say it was like you know as big a production as Fantasia. Look, let's look at the bigger picture, though, too. All right, guys, I want you to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. And I'm going to give Walt a lot of credit here, okay? Walt Disney was a visionary, all right? Walt understood if we lost this war, what was at stake. I still think back in 1942 and, and, and 1943, people in Midwestern Ohio, no offense, Sarah, were, were, they were, Nothing's going to change. They're very complacent, you know, and he's a visionary. And I knew and I know that he saw the atrocities of war and what's what can happen. And if we lose this country, all bets are off. So I think that was a driving force behind him wanting to get this stuff out, in my opinion. You know, the military did pay him to do this, but it was negligible. And he and Disney said, I want to do these right. And it, yeah, it paid for it with his own money. It put the studio in, in a tremendous amount of debt. I'm sure Roy hated it. Well, I mean, besides the fact that it went into debt, there was a time where he actually, if I remember correctly, um, they were using some of the studio land as barracks and stuff for some yeah. of the soldiers. Yeah. So when that was going on, they weren't able to produce films as much as they were. There was a lot 
more to it than the, him just producing and doing his art. He was actually housing soldiers. donating and yeah. promoting and housing soldiers at that point. So, In order to have a war, we have to have money. And that goes into our, our treasury department. Now, Disney created two movies for the Treasury Department, The New Spirit in 1942 and The New Spirit of 1943. Show me them ducats. I'm all about that money. <laughs> Dead presidents and what have you. Hundred uh, dollar Cash rules everything around me. <laughs> the, uh, the New Spirit. Okay. Hold on. Mike, Mikey, hold that thought. Tim. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, I know you got a. I got a. I know you got an early morning. Thank you for joining us, sir. Yeah, I wish I could stay to finish this whole episode. It's very interesting. Man, you ain't you said have, shit. You have representation. I'm, I'm falling asleep here. <laughs> yeah, Jason. I, I gotta get up so early tomorrow. Take a nap. <laughs> yeah, Tim, why don't you give us some closing remarks, buddy, and then we'll we'll go ahead and finish well, up. Like uh, Mikey said, this episode is gonna drop around the fourth. So happy fourth. Stay safe and stay American. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Good night, night Timmy. Good night, Tim. Yeah, the Treasury Department, not uh, not bashful about asking for money. And one of the uh, most well-known ways they ask for money is through your income tax, which I still have a hard time figuring all that business out. But uh, <laughs> they made, or they didn't make, they, had, they, they, they commissioned Disney to make a uh, a a cartoon to help um, bolster the support from the American citizens on paying their income tax. I guess back in the forties, this was kind of a thing where they were having a hard time getting folks to pay their taxes and pay them on time. So, who better to teach people on their income taxes than you know Donald Duck? The new spirit is is a. Uh, it's kind of funny. It's quirky. Donald Duck, he, he's, he's funny. He, he has an argument, you know, with his radio, which is, you know, an infomercial telling him about why paying your income tax is important. Um, it actually, wa- literally, it walks him through how to fill out the form to file his income taxes and explains toward the, you know, a- after that, it, it's almost it's almost two different films. The front end is basically a Donald Duck cartoon, and then the back end is full-blown military propaganda with airplanes and tanks and bombs and explosions. Okay? The the front end is Disney, the back end is Bruckheimer. <laughs> so it it's 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 interesting in that Donald is trying to uh, you know, want, want wanting to help out the war, so he goes and gets all of his guns and shotguns and gardening implements to go fight. And uh, the announcer's like, whoa, we just want your monies. And, and and explains to him that, you know, paying your income taxes on time to the Treasury Department goes a long way toward funding the war effort. Uh, just like, you know, you, you're, you're, you're not just funding the war effort, but you're actually moving the economy forward with people who are... Uh, you know, doing the factory work for the airplanes, the vehicles, the uh, the ammunition and stuff like that. You know, and that that was uh, that was the 1942 release of uh, the New Spirit, and, and Jason mentioned um, it had a sequel, right? 
Yeah. It was uh, Spirit, the, the of Spirit of 43. And when I say sequel, it was a pretty strong follow-up because I, I guess they had such a, a good response from folks filing their income taxes on time from you know the uh, the new Spirit that Spirit of 43 came out, which had the front end was all new Donald Duck animations, and it had an early Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, this is this is very important because this is kind of where Scrooge comes from. It's not Evan. It's not Scrooge McDuck, but it kind of it's is. It's odd because this is a propaganda film for America that features the voice it's of reason Scottish, is an obvious yeah. Scottish kilt wearing duck. Okay, right. You can't say it's not Scrooge McDuck because Scrooge is a, is, is an unabashed miser when it comes to his monies, and, and then you have the other uh, side of the coin. Is I don't think it's really any type of character, really, but it's like laid back cool cat Donald, who's all about going and spending his monies, and it's where the, the the first half of the film makes it sound like if you're going and spending your money, you're supporting the Axis, whereas mm-hmm. if you're saving your money to pay your taxes, you're supporting the war effort. So it basically says, go out to the club and help Hitler. Or put your pennies in a bank to help your government. And and speaking of the, the whole Axis thing, both of these movies really play up the fact that Axis kind of rhymes with taxes. Because that yeah. that's mentioned so many times. Um, their their uh, their slogan in it was like taxes to bury the axis, taxes to beat the it's axis, like, and all. I, and and yeah. all I can think of when I'm watching this is they hate us because they ain't us. that's all i could think of when i was watching it but um being a sequel only the first three minutes is new the second three minutes is basically Mm. uh, a carbon copy of the new spirit it's it's all the same propaganda on the second half so you basically you get you get you get donald you get scrooge you get um pimp ass donald who's trying to get him to spend money and actually sports like a, a tie in the shape of a swastika at one point, to say, mm-hmm. "Ooh, you're spending money. You're not helping the uh, the allies and your co- your government." So that I, I will, they played well because polls showed that after viewing the cartoons, people were 37 percent more likely to pay their taxes and pay them on time. So it goes a long way to show if you put a stuffy guy in a suit talking to you, nobody gives a shit. You put Donald Duck up there talking to you where you can't hear a word, understand a word he's saying. With People are going to be like, oh, okay, I see what he's saying. we got to pay our taxes. Let's, you know, write that check out, babe, for my $13. He owed $13 in 1942. Granted, he only made 2501 as an actor. And, and to be fair, he doesn't work. No, that. he no. did claim Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And if you watch the cartoon, it looks like they're dead. Because they show oh. up with halos over their head and they're semi-transparent. So, it's like, he's claiming dead folks. He's claiming dead kids. Wait, they're not even his kids, aren't they? His no, it, it does so he wrote adopted on the form. Oh, okay. Which, I'm going to adopt my nieces next year. Just so long as they don't. Cl- nobody else claims him. Look, going back to this film, it was uh, viewed by a lot of people. They said, what, 26 million people? Oh, yeah, everybody loves Donald. I mean, it was it was, it was was widespread. It was widely distributed. Um, and, and it wasn't, I mean, they were shorts. They weren't like 
the victory through uh, air power, where, which was, mm-hmm. like I said, a feature film. These were shorts, which makes it really easy to get them out in front of the masses and hold their attention for all of six to ten minutes. It's kind of interesting that in all of these films, Mickey is not present whatsoever. Well, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So... Um, no, and you're right. And but going back to the revenue too, and this is and, and going back to Disney himself, uh, made books for children to try to encourage them to uh, purchase war saving bonds, stamps. You know, it was uh, he was doing so much in his part to try to get revenue uh, to pay for this war. And I just keep going back to his insights on, and he was looking at the future on what if we don't lose this, or what if we don't win this war. I think these these are all important for Walt. Uh, more personally than than financially, these were these were very much his baby. He wanted to do these for his spirit of America. I mean, he was very much a patriot. His testimony at HUAC was voluntary; he wasn't subpoenaed and kicked and dragged like some other Hollywood celebrities. Um, I I just found uh, you know I actually own the 2004 release of this and De Fierro's face and a ton of other films in one of those Walt Disney treasures, which is, um, it's an amazing DVD really is. But, you know, touching on that De Fierro's face, man, you know, it was in order to get the people on board, you, you needed to like any, okay, let's look at combat. Okay. It's so much easier to go to combat when you dehumanize your enemy. Okay, and if you make them where it's uh, you get an emotional hate, a distaste. Okay, so and that's where propaganda is real important. I mean, look at even at some of our communist nations now. They think America, we eat our babies and we kill our parents. You know what I mean? It's it's propaganda. It it scares people. It gets them people focused on the enemy. And uh, the U.S. government used Walt Disney to to create a number of the anti-German, anti-Japanese films for the soldiers, the public, and and he wanted to portray these uh, leaders: uh, Hitler, um, uh, Mussolini. Uh, you know, man, they're manipulative. You know, uh, they they have no morals. These guys are bad. You know, we need to take care of them. You know, and the film and the, some of the films he produced. Uh, look, I'm going to touch base on Commando Duck for a second, okay? Donald Duck has always been my favorite character. He's my number one guy. Donald Duck was the original Rambo. <laughs> I- I'm telling you right now. He was. He's a bad motherfucker, I'm telling you. Commando Duck is a 1944 film. Donald Duck actually is, is is he's in he i guess technically he would be an army ranger if this were today he he's told to parachute into enemy territory in japan he's terrified and has to go on this commando mission through enemy territory in japan while japanese snipers are are spotting him but this is this is where it gets weird the Japanese snipers actually get distracted by Donald and start bowing to him because the way that they're portrayed in this, uh, they kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. They kind of like stereotype Japanese culture, whereas like, Oh, they'll bow to you before war. And then they distract each other. And then they apologize to Donald. 
but then they finally start shooting at him and they're and um Donald mistakes the uh the bullets because they're so tiny. You know, Japanese are tiny people, so they have tiny bullets. It it's uh it's it's a really interesting film in that it 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 takes a lot of I guess dehumanizing towards the Japanese in in 1944. Uh well, you know, not to mention that he destroys the whole Japanese yes. airbase. Yes, he does. But let me go back to the Japanese and we knew that the Japanese are fierce fighters. Mm-hmm. They were un they were an unbelievable force to fight against. And you you're not going to go, you know, I'll reference David and Goliath, you know, not a lot of people are David. Not a lot of people are going to know they're going to go fight a giant and 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 go into it knowing I'm going to kick your ass. Most men, I mean, and I'm talking men, are are they're going to get that subconscious fear that that uh, that little bit of hesitation that okay, I'm scared. But if I'm going into this battle knowing that uh, I'm going to go in and kill these motherfuckers. You know, they, they are goofy. They're little. They're, they're little fucking, um, you know, uh, uh, Japs, I guess the, the derogatory name back in the day was. You know, we're going to go in and take care of them. This was a great way to, for me, not for me being the farm boy from Ohio watching this going, oh, I'm so going over there to beat the fuck out of these guys. And, and it was actually very effective because the mind is a lot more powerful than our bodies will ever be, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So propaganda is very powerful, you know, and, and looking at the Fuhrer's face, you mentioned that you got that on DVD. Um, that's another a huge propaganda one. Uh, Scott, if you want to elaborate on that for me. Let me do, let me do one thing before, before we get into the Fuhrer's face, because this, uh-huh. you know, all of these cartoons started during Walt's testimony before the House Un-American Activities Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1941 and and it's kind of interesting so if and you can watch you can watch all of the hearings online and they're really interesting because one of the one of the investigators um h.a smith takes his turn at the mic and asks disney and says for the pictures that you make do you have any opinion as to whether or not those films can be used effectively to disseminate propaganda and it was kind of a throwaway question, and Disney said, "Well, of course they. I'm, I'm sure I. I'm sure I could make some films that would disseminate propaganda, and I would love to." And it's just kind of interesting that that, that that's kind of where it all started because in 1941 and 19 through 1940, you know, hell through 1965, Walt Disney is probably one of the most influential men in the world. So when Disney puts his stamp on these films that, you know, disseminate propaganda information, people listen. People stop and they listen. And they say, yes, we need to pay our taxes on time. Yes, we need to buy war bonds. Yeah, we need to join the army. I mean, these are, while while we watch them today as cartoons and pieces of film history, which what I, which is amazing to watch now, people... You know, people believed them. They ran to sign up for for uh, war bonds. They ran to sign up for the for the war effort. They they wanted to be part of this, and and Disney had a great impact on it. Well, he you know he had the ability to make uh, the countries bigger than you and I. Mm-hmm. The country is about us. The country is uh, to be in uh, the United States is is more than just you and me. 
It, and but as a collective, it's something that that will never work unless we are a collective. And Disney really brought that to light. He he did. He made he made the country bigger than us. Yeah, but uh, now go, going back to what you were talking about, where he testified. Mm-hmm. You're gonna. People aren't gonna have any idea what you're talking about. What What was he testifying about? Or what was the whole right. point of of this? So, so back, I mean, back in the late 30s, early 40s, there was a lot of concern about um, about communist subversives within the United States, more particularly inside Hollywood. You know, uh, there's a great film uh, with. Um, uh, Brian Cranston, Trumbo, really good film about communists in Hollywood. Uh, these were basically people, people who in, you know, in Hollywood celebrities who would kind of spout communist beliefs, you know, unions, unions were a big thing. Well, I mean, Walt hated unions, hated them. I mean, his art, the artist strike of 1941 nearly broke him, nearly broke him. And so he was very anti-union. So he goes before the uh, before HUAC to, along with others like Ronald Reagan, uh, you know, pre-president. Obviously, this is actor Ronald Reagan and Ryan Gary Cooper. These people were very friendly to uh, American efforts. They were uh, they were not afraid to sit there and call out other people in Hollywood who were communists or who had communist beliefs. Their American, their Americanism was never in question, and so these people came before HUAC, and they would testify, and they would go through uh, what they what they believed or what they thought may be communist activity inside Hollywood. And uh, Disney is Disney is essentially one of those people that they called upon as a friendly witness to to help sell out Pinkos for. You know, what's interesting about that is you had Republicans and Democrats both coming together mm-hmm. to testify. You know, back when you, you, either your brethren was, we might differ on views, but um, we still had a commonality, and that was our country and the patriotism that went with it. Um, I, I find that not so much today. I mean, this isn't going to be a political episode, but it is diff- It is funny how it was very different because we had a common enemy back then. There were ultimately our whole demise was was in question so there there was no uh pettiness yeah. i mean it was you had a firm you had a firm belief but you still were coming together to for the better of the country these these led to a lot of the the, the involvement with the united states military in at the studio and one of them probably the most famous of them was defure's face which was an academy award winning film it was a best animated short subject in 1943. It won an Academy Award, and this basically is Donald Duck wakes up in a world that is controlled by the Nazis. It's it's kind of like what happens if we lose the war, if Nazis invade America and America is now under Nazi control. It's the man in the high castle, high tower, whatever that it show is on Amazon, uh, where you know, but cartoon form with with uh, with Donald. So he has to go through like his working day at a factory where he's under constant surveillance to make sure he's uh, he's saluting Hitler, and then he never speaks out with um, any any discord whatsoever. Like if he if he's and you know it's Donald, so he's always grumpy and he's always angry, like Jason, which is 
not shocking why this why he's your favorite character but if he ever speaks out someone is there to uh to punish him um guns are pointed at his head the moment he gets out of line and he's got to salute hitler uh and then finally at the end of it you know spoiler alert if you haven't seen it you should it's on youtube go watch it it's in public domain um he wakes up in the United States and he realizes that it was all a bad dream and he is overjoyed at his privilege to be a proud citizen of the United States and is thankful to be an American. So, really excellent film. It's, it is definitely jarring to watch in today's society because people are so sensitive to everything. But it is a very, very integral part of Disney's propaganda films in the 1940s. Jason, um, now that we're back from the refill, what are you drinking? <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I was going to swear my drink should have been a lot pinker than yours, but yours is very pink. All right. So I was going to grab another beer and I'm like, I got an early morning. I'm not going to have another one. And I grabbed pink lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> she just bought some pink lemonade. All right, fucker. That's all it was in there hey, for juice. So I grabbed take that it. pink lemonade. Mix some, uh, throw some no, vodka, not, not vodka, peach whiskey, tequila. Ooh, I it, it's very good. Oh shit, it's very good. It's I, dangerously good. I've never had peach whiskey, apple I, whiskey. I've never had. I'm not a big fan drink. of flavored. Liquor. We had. Uh, I had some peach whiskey a couple weeks ago. Uh, not sure why I grabbed it. I think I just grabbed it just for the hell of it, and. I got to where I was uh, mixing it in the pink lemonade, and it was surprisingly smooth. It was good. Mm. I can picture that in some iced tea. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Well, that, that would be good, I think. Yeah. Uh, a little peach. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. So a little mid-show uh, drink break. Um, I've switched Jason. over to Smadams. Smadams. Still, still, still a Patriot. Mm-hmm. I've, got some, I've now got some Yingling, America's oldest brewery. So, go America. All right, let's 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 continue talking here. I want to talk about um, the making of a Nazi. The making of a Nazi it was a wartime propaganda mm-hmm. film that make that takes on the perspective of Hans, a young German boy. As the movie progresses, Hans is exposed to Hitler's youth and the Nazi culture. His ability to value human life decreases. Yep. What is that off of? I think that's off of that. Is that the name of the movie? The what? The making of a of a Nazi? Yeah, yeah that's the name is, of the film. Is that, is that the actual? No, title? the the actual okay, the actual title is. Um, hold on. It's like Education for Death: The Making of a Nazi. It yes, was it was pretty, it was very death. dark. That's what it is. Yep. I was just looking on my side notes here because we didn't talk about that one. So, but yeah, propaganda was huge in World War II. You know, and if you want to look at like right now and today. You, you almost got to question how much propaganda is being thrown at us right now that we don't know about. You know, how much influence, how much influence are we getting right now that's, that's changing our opinion on stuff? You know, it's just it's something for any patriot, a responsible patriot, to maybe take pause and go, uh, maybe this isn't making sense to me. You know, I don't know. But because this is proving that uh, it's effective. Well, this w- film and propaganda are very effective. This one's very interesting because this definitely showed – this was more Walt's, like, softer side. It was kind of showing how 
basically, this is the story of the Hitler Youth Movement. And the people in the Hitler Youth Movement were um, brainwashed. And this is what Walt wanted to say, that the Germans are not all bad people. This was a bad time in their in their history where they were essentially led astray by one man. And that while they're enemies, it's not entirely their fault and that the brainwashing and we need to remember that they still are humans just like us. And uh, at the there's a really, really pivotal scene at the end of the cartoon. He shows uh, a graveyard of like thousands of Nazi soldiers and the film ends that saying that their education will ultimately lead to them uh, being used as puppets marching towards their death. So it was basically a, a propaganda film to look, we're going to kick their ass, but you know, don't kick their ass too badly over the next 50 years. But it's, it's interesting because that, that kind of, that video right there kind of contradicts the the commando duck yeah. where we're okay this is kind of like we're humanizing the germans so it's interesting that we're humanizing the germans that we know right. we're going to win the war now when did now my question for you and is is what year did did the making of the education for death come out was it as we were winning the war and we knew we were going to win so we were trying to scale back to maybe bring some human humanity back to no no because it's still it's it was made in it was probably made in like the late 42 late 42 it was released in january of 43 oh so it was straight up hardcore war then. yeah i mean we hadn't we uh, hadn't okay. liberated at, at that point um so i mean it's it, it was definitely i i think it was just walt saying look we can't you know, I don't want to be the asshole. I don't want to be so desensitizing to everybody in the world because I, you know, he, he was a humanist. He did believe that there was good in all people. And so I think this was his way of kind of saying to the American public, we need to go fight the Nazis and we need to get rid of the Nazis so the German people can be good again. Because he did go to, he, you know, before the war, he went to Germany a lot. He, he mm-hmm. loved, you know, Neuschwestein Castle is... A is the model for Sleeping Beauty's castle in Disneyland. I mean, he he went over to Neuschwanstein, which is very fortunate to have been there once. And oh my God, it's the most beautiful castle in the world. When he went there to go visit, he's like, "I want that castle." And the facade, the the back part of the facade is the same back part as uh, as Sleeping Beauty's castle. So he w- he loved the German people and loved the German culture. And I think this was his way of saying, man, this is a really effed up time for Germany. And I and we want them to know. And then maybe this was his way of trying to influence the German people as well. We want you to know that you are you, you can be good again. Stop what you're doing and well, be good and that's, again. And that was where I was leaning toward was how much chatter was coming from the German Americans to the Germans over there, even under the radar how much of this propaganda went went where maybe that was going to get back to the homeland over in yeah, Germany? Yeah, let's not forget that there was, you know, the the, the immigrants in the U.S. were seeing all of yeah. this as well, and that had a bit of a you know a, a backlash, I would imagine, when you see you know your homeland being portrayed you know that way because 
I don't think that you know the '40s were really that much different than than well, I, I guess they were. But you nowadays <laughs> everybody is all about where they were from, you know, what country you were right. from, your culture, and, and stuff like that. And I think that when you're an immigrant, you probably hold on fast to that more so than a third generation, you know. So they 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 you know. I think this was basically allowing Disney to say, okay, as Americans, we understand there is a difference between Germans and Nazis. Yeah. That they are not one and the same. They start out as good German citizens, but because of the Hitler youth camp, um, and, and let's face it, Hitler's propaganda was pretty strong and on point on its own. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, you, if if you're talking Hitler's propaganda versus Walt's propaganda, I mean, it's it's so much more dark and so much more offensive, obviously. Yeah, but but they had other factors that that There's went into that. They were hungry. Yeah. They were poor. They had nothing. I mean, this was this was their savior. I mean, so you know, we were using entertainment for propaganda. They were using uh, a visual, yeah, fear mongering and a visual like. Look, you join the SS, you get a food, and we'll feed your family, yeah. too. If you don't, we'll kill you. Well, right. I mean, they were killing you anyway yeah, well, they were, at the end true. of the day, depending on who you were. If you didn't have well, they the were right killing team. you, not me. No, no if you were if you didn't blonde if you hair, didn't, blue-eyed, they if, were killing yeah, everybody. If you didn't blonde hair, blue-eyed, Jew. If you didn't step in line, uh, you were... <laughs> I'm probably more German than you are, though. <laughs> I said Jew. <laughs> I said Jewish. <laughs> So yeah, but you're right. You're, it was an inside joke between me and Adam here. <laughs> it's okay. He's he's Nordic anyways. Jason is. Yeah, I am Nordic. I am fucking yeah. Nordic, and I'm proud of it. We talk about heritage. I mean, Jesus, your last name is the uh, is the Asgard. Anyways, before we uh, get on some frozen tangent, yeah, true. Hey, let's uh, let's move on from propaganda and let's go to some kick-ass fucking art that just rocks even today, and that was the insignia. Tell us about it, Elsa. Uh, oh man, let me tell you what they were. They were. This is. Uh, you totally missed that. You see it? No, I I, I didn't even that. miss it. I fucking gonna delete this shit. <laughs> Come on, Jason, let it go. Because anytime, anytime, you know what? It's, Jason, it's uh, every everybody's it's okay. working. We can't on... always build a snowman. It's fine. Well, <laughs> I got Ariel and Rapunzel. I haven't come up a name with you yet, but I guess Elka, Elsa fits me just fine. <laughs> the Rapunzel the hair and Ariel the redheaded Kalawaka liquor. <laughs> so, by the way, like Mikey, fish. nice artwork today, buddy. With uh, you know, figured I figured your wine painting would be something with the. Well, Kalawaka. they had they, they had a mermaid, but. Uh, I, I was like, "Hey, it's, it's a bottle of rum. I, that's cool. That's bitching." You know, they didn't—they didn't, they didn't have anything it, Disney related, which was kind of a bummer. But I understand copyrights. You could have done Ariel topless with nipples, right? Yeah, with and nipples, and uh, then they—I would be banned yep. from flying over into the UK because of uh, some some mom decided that this was totally offensive because she's showing her bare chest. She has no nipples. Not not I'm even lost. shading, showing that they're boobs. If anything, it just looks like she's got a. I I yeah. Adam and I are just like, we're like John Travolta. Oh, you don't know what's going on. 
Um, no. Well, I, I got tagged in a, in a post on our Facebook group, uh, facebook.com slash three sheets, uh, by uh, a listener who said, Mikey's been asking for nudes for 20 episodes, and he finally gets kind of one sent from the, the UK, where some company that makes uh, kids' bathing suits made a bathing suit that had Ariel on it, and the swimsuit was actually supposed to have the seashells um, flocked onto fabric and then separately sewn over Ariel's chest. Well, during their production, at some point, something went haywire, and the seashells were not sewn onto her chest, so you've basically got her entire um, upper body is like the same shade of flesh tone pigment. And people oh, yeah. are freaking out because they think she's naked. And it's like, she's not naked, she's literally topless. Yeah, I mean, it's people don't know the difference. True. You're right, you're right. Her scales are exposed, her navel is visible. Um... She was naked, but she, she, she's lacking any genitalia. So my argument was, this isn't a nude because Barbie. Yeah, true. It is uh, androgynous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Going back to our insignias. Yeah, there's a lot. Well, I mean, the whole thing with this is that Disney actually created approximately 1,200 designs for it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it just, the amount of time and the amount of work, there's a whole, like, little section in the um, National Museum of the U.S. Air Force just dedicated to insignias. And there's a whole, there was a whole exhibit, I'm not sure if it's still there, just based on the amount of insignias that Disney did. Um, virtually all Disney characters appeared in the unit insignias. Um, most requested, of course, was Donald Duck. And I mean, it's just because he, he was always, Donald Duck was always featured as the everyman, where Mickey was always the hero. Donald Duck could have a temper, could have, that's why you really didn't see Mickey in the propaganda films and in that, because Mickey was kind of held to a little bit higher up. He wasn't the everyman. Right. He's something that the everyman would want to more be more like. But at the end of the day, we're all more like Donald Duck. You know, it's and you're absolutely right. And Sarah Coyle, she posted, um, you know, as we were putting this show together, she went to the uh, museum and posted a bunch of pictures. Uh, coincidence, Sarah. Hmm. Isn't that? Anyway, or she's mo- yeah. or she's or she's monitoring <laughs> our our chat. Once again, the ladies want their yeah, own show. Which is weird. I think there's a there's a mall, Mikey. I'm not going to mention any Mikey names. I got them, one on my ass. Anyways, um, it's got whiskers. This is Walt Disney. This is a quote from Walt Disney. He said, and she took a picture and shared it. It says, the insignia meant a lot to the men who were fighting. I had to do it. I owed it to them. That is a, that, that insignia is a, uh, that's a sense of pride. That is um, like the Eagle Globe and Anchor on my chest. That is, you know, I belong to the, the 16th Bombardment Wing. You know, I'm the, uh, I'm, I'm on the USS Hornet. You know, these, these are legendary and the, and, and some, some battles that took place, uh, these insignias were were Im- uh, just fucking. I don't even know the word. <laughs> they were <laughs> just well, immortalized. Well, they were... They're just. They were so. Uh, they're everybody knew what. That's holy shit. That's the USS Hornet. You know, mm-hmm. you're you are the USS Hornet, and I can just tell just by your insignia. You know what I mean? They were they were identifiers for people, and 
Absolutely. You know, I, again, I hate to say it, but in 1945, there's probably nobody bigger in the world than Walt Disney and the Walt Disney Company. I mean, it's it's moving for the people that are a part of it, and it's it's people wanting to be included in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me give you some examples here. Um, the mosquito riding a torpedo, like Adam mentioned before, you know, it was uh, for all the PT boats. Uh, the China Defense Supplies um, had... Uh, a winged flying tiger, you know, through a large V for victory. You know, I mean, it was it, it was just incredible what what become of this. Yeah, I mean, it also was he created characters specifically for this. It wasn't just the characters that everybody knew. There were additional dogs that you you might not were even known that were drawn by Disney or that Disney had their hand in. You can see it in the art style. But you would never, you wouldn't realize these. They're they're nameless characters, pretty much, that he created just for this for for the um, insignias, which is pretty awesome. I mean, without ever itself. charging anybody anything, exactly, because this is something he did on his own. Yeah. What I I mean, this is what yeah. I found interesting was that Jimmy Cricket's on a lot of these. Of yes. all of all people, I mean, your conscience, it, it, Jiminy Cricket was very yeah. popular. Well, you also have to think about the war mentality of I'm going, this is my conscience. This is me saying I'm taking a stand for myself and for my country. And this is the way I do this. Yeah. What, what smaller character can you get besides Jiminy Cricket? You know what I mean? I mean, look at, look at it's you, you got somebody that's so small, but so badass that, you know what, no matter how small I am, that I'm going to do my part. I was turned into a badass. I'm I'm a tiny little cricket and I'm going to set a wooden boy straight and keep him on the straight and narrow because I have, I'm that awesome at what I do. Me. The only one that I'm reading that has not appeared in any, can you tell me who it is? I think Mickey was no, though. Mickey, so Mickey I was. Gonna guess, he was. I'm gonna he guess. Too. I'm gonna guess the females. Are you? Ta- is it a male character? I'm gonna. Oh, it's a male uh, character. Goofy was. Goofy I know Goofy was. was. Yeah. Um, it's a male character. It's a major character. Pluto. No, Pluto was too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm at a loss. Uh, hold on. Wait. Dopey. Nope. Hmm. No, all seven of them. Oh, let me think. Let me think. Dumbo was... Pete. 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 Nope. Fuck. It's Bambi. Oh. Oh, duh. Wimp- the wimpy deer? <laughs> duh. The one who cried all the time. Hell, Thumper's on a bunch yeah, of them. Thumper the Thumper was one's pretty, pretty much yeah. one of my favorites, so... Thumper's got heart. Yep. So, Thumper's on a bunch of them, but yeah, the uh, Pegled Pete's been in them. Yeah. Flower... Yui, Dewey, and Louie, Little Hiawatha. So, I mean, you have a list of characters here. Yeah, wow. Bambi. I mean, it makes sense. Actually, you know what? I didn't know this. Snow White was actually used on yeah. aircraft notes as well, but that was only for a medical unit. Oh, because I would love um, to see Snow White. Mikey, t-shirt idea. Snow White is a pinup girl from, the, from like a bomber. A Betty awesome. Boop looking yeah. Snow White. There Funny. The, the, um... I lost my train of thought, dick. You just, all you thought was Snow White, Bikini, yes. It wasn't Bambi, but there was a deer 
use as an insignia. Um, I'll but it's not buckle Bambi. down and, and, and bucking up against a, uh, a fighter plane. No, it's like a one, two, three, four, five. It's a five by five. So, mm. but you got to remember though, is, is the, the, the kids, and I'll say kids loosely, cause a, a lot of our, our men that were fighting over there were, you know, between 17 and I mean, loosely 17 quotes, you know, right. 18 quote to, uh, you know, 32 and 32 was, I think kind of the older, but, uh, and by no means, I, I am not a historian, so if I misspoke something here or there, come on, give me some credit. But Disney was a part of their life also. So this brought a piece of home, and they were able to slap that on their plane. They were able to slap that on their jet or on their uh, their boats, you know, and wear it on their jacket. I mean, Disney was a household name, and, and that was cool that they were able to bring a piece of America in art and 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 own it. I mean, guys, look. When you're in a unit, if I'm in a if I'm in a fighter jet or I'm in a fighter squadron, I belong to that. That is mine. You know, it is a it is almost as tangible as you as a donut that you can eat. It is it is mine. I belong to that, and that's my insignia. You know, very cool stuff. I was looking at these insignias, and and to me, one of the coolest ones, and it's got an neat story behind it, was the uh, the insignia that that Disney did for the. Uh, the women Air Force service pilots, the WASPs, it's the little grim oh, yeah. and vanilla. Yeah. Uh, and the backstory on it involves, you know, Walt Disney and Roald Dahl, who I didn't really know was an RAF uh, pilot. Um, yep. You know, he, he wrote a short, a book for his first children's book, to be honest, was called The Gremlins. And it was just about some of the, uh, the perils of being a combat fighter. And how, you know, shit happens and we blame it on the gremlins when it does happen. Um, this was very close to being a, a feature film for Walt. Uh, but the, uh, the, the, the RAF kind of got involved, the British Air Ministry. And there's a whole lot of red tape. Ultimately, Disney backed off of it because I think he would have realized it wasn't going to pan out for him. Uh, but there, there was lots of... Uh, preliminary artwork done and the uh the women air force service pilot said hey can we use you know your artwork for this uh, this gremlin named fifinella and it's it's a pretty cool looking patch i mean it really is it's it's not quite sultry as a pinup but you know it, it, it's tasteful i i dig on it um and like i said there's actually a a story behind it and and the, the gremlin is actually named after a thoroughbred racehorse that won the epsom derby in 1916, which is the year that Roald Dahl was born. Really? Yep. I I do know that the Imagineers listen to our show. I you know we know that for of course. a fact. Um, and I know that people are out there that listen that are at Disney or belong to Disney. So here's my idea for you guys. I would because I like pens and my wife is a pen collector. Um, you know the Disney pens that you buy down there and you spend and thousands trade of dollars and on the shit. But trade. Uh, it would be amazing if you guys would come out with an insignia pin collection. That'd be pretty cool. Vintage. I mean, awesome. I would eat that. Up. I mean, you could have you could have just you know just do the top five hundred. I mean, I, God, I would love that. Please put it into consideration, guys. If not, I'm gonna put them on some shirts. So if you want money, <laughs> do it. <laughs> you know, most of those got to be in public domain anyway, because that stops me. Yeah. I love the thumper. <laughs> the thumper one's very cool. Jason, did you have a favorite one? Um, you know, actually, my I'll, I'll tell you which one. I I, I actually fucking digging on. Yeah, see, I'm really digging on Mickey riding the bomber. 
was riding a classic uh, Mickey, classic a, like pie-eyed Mickey yeah. riding a bomber. He's got he's got looks like dual fifty yep. cals, and he's riding on a uh, fucking bomb. I mean, it's mm. just I'm like, yeah, he's just laying back with that shitty eating grin, going, "Dude, you're so screwed." Yeah. Loving it. I also Anyways. really like the Dumbo. The Dumbo one is cool. It's like we don't miss or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. But Donald Duck on the uh, torpedo, man, is pretty awesome. So, like, he's he's riding it on top like it's a freaking jet ski. So, I, you know, there's just some really awesome ones. Just awesome. There's too many. I, I like too many of them just to narrow it down. I keep – every time I – because I'm slowly fall, falling into a click hole and know, I'm clicking right? on one. And I'm like, oh, I like that one too. And it, it, it's, it's not Yes, yeah, An AD8. And now I'm looking at – you know, that'll make a really cool tattoo. See, one of them – I'm like, yeah. nah, was it's it, causing all sorts of problems. Was right it now. like one of the – first ones that was mickey riding the goose that was a bomber holding a trident yeah. with the statue yeah. of liberty silhouetted in the background yeah that's that, yes. that'd make a pretty cool shirt that would make yeah, it a would. cool shirt Absolutely see one of my would. my favorite yeah. was the um the one of uh jose uh jose <laughs> carioca uh when he's on the, the so this was this was an insignia for the u.s uh uss and cambia which was a fleet refueler in the marshall islands and so Jose is standing on top of a 50-gallon uh, drum, 50-gallon oil drum, with yes, like a gas tank yes. pumping gas. It's really awesome. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and that was drawn by yeah. Walt himself. That's awesome. Yep. I know exactly which one you're talking that about. Was, that was one of my favorite when I was looking these up because I had no idea, you know, and, and, you know, being a huge Disney history fan, I had no idea about all the insignias. I've seen all the films. I've done a lot of the, the HUAC of his personal life. But the the insignias was a really cool addition that I found out during the show. I'm familiar with with the nose art and the artwork and stuff like that, but I always thought it was just, you know, some guy in the military was good at drawing and he said, hey, this would be funny if you drew it. I I wasn't aware that this was, you know, stuff was, yeah, it it was actually approved and commissioned by Walt himself. And yeah, uh, that that's Mm -hmm. that that really, uh, you know, it. I'm sure it meant a whole lot to uh, the soldiers that were wearing those patches, or the pilots that had, you know, that on his uh, on their. I don't want to say his, but on their uh, on their planes or on their ships. You know, it, it was it was a big deal. There's a whole lot of uh, history in that art and stories and uh, just just tales that you know if 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 those patches could talk, you know, because you see them in the museum pieces on the bomber jackets that the pilots wore and it's just mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. you know disney isn't just a uh, a place with a giant golf ball it's uh <laughs> it's 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 a, it's 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 murka i mean maybe not so much with shanghai it is murka. shanghai part two and mm. well that's Allegedly. just everybody else trying to be murka moving on from our exidias we have that like our email was stated from shane was to pick a vet for the flag retreat. I thought that was uh, an incredible gesture that uh, Disney offers. Um, I, I, I always enjoy watching it when I'm there. Uh, for you vets out there that want to partake in the ceremony, it's a first-come, 1st first serve basis. So get there early and get up to uh, guest services and, and, and put your name in the hat and tell them that you would be interested in doing it. I, From what I understand, you, you still need to possess some, you know, enthusiasm, you know, don't go in there as a slob and like, yeah, dude, I want to do the, you know, it, that's not going to fly. I mean, represent your country while you're doing it. And Disney's going to be looking for that. 
So you don't have to be a vet to do it, though. I do want to throw that out there. Uh, you know, if um, especially for you know maybe uh, maybe a spouse or a son of a of a fallen you know soldier or comrade that um, maybe you want to do that. You know, as a as a tribute to your dad or or something like that. You know, I think that's um, I think that's a special a special moment. You know, and 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 it's definitely something that Disney takes serious. If you've never seen the ceremony, I recommend it. It's uh, the retiring of the flag. What I mean by the flag retreat is when they take the flag down at the end of the day and they retire it for the night. Okay. Uh, also, moving on from that was I know. Have you guys ever saw the flag retreat? I've you know, seen it. I love it. Yeah, I've seen it. You know, it's it's uh, it's, it, it's awe-inspiring. It it is really really touching. It's really cool. You know, yeah. there's a. It is cool, and it, there's that moment where you know everybody's watching it, and it's like I, I'm not gay or straight, I'm not uh, black or white, I'm not uh, Democrat or Republican, I'm an American, and we're all standing there in the, the greatest place on earth, in my opinion, and uh, we're watching the greatest flag in the in the world, you know, uh, sur- you know, being taken down and 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 put to bed for the night, and it's uh, it's a really a nice experience. I recommend it for everybody uh, to at least experience it one time, you know, and and. It's uh, it's nice to see our foreign people that are visiting from other countries and 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 they stand and they and they show the respect because you know they're guests are in, in our country and and this is my house and and they treat it as my house and they're a guest and I, and I just love that. Moving on from that, guys, let's talk about some other stuff that uh, Disney does for some of our military guys, and let's talk shades of green. Now, shades of green are now there's there's a criteria for shades of green for for some of you that don't know who shades of green is. It's a Armed Force Recreation Center resort. It is for our Armed Force members, our Armed Force members only. Uh, excuse me. There are some stip. There are some some um, caveats. Yes. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't really. I'm not kind of some of these. Quote caveats that we're going to talk about. I'm not really filling them like, um, like the Department of uh, some of the Department of Defense stuff. I mean, it, I get it, but or my favorite is Public Health Service, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, Commissioned Corps. You know, I, it's, Noah. I'm I, right. I know. Right, I'm sitting here going, really? But. Look, they're asking for your forms. If you don't have these the proper ID, you're not going to get into this place. You're not going to get a room there, okay? Uh, you need to be active duty, uh, res- retired. You have to be 100% disabled. Not even, you know, not even if you're just hurt a little bit. You have to be 100% disabled. Uh, you can be retired from the guards and still not receiving a pension yet because they have different criteria. But as long as you got the proper paperwork, you can stay there. It's based on your your rank, your the um, what you were, uh, your monthly or your monthly. What's your shit? I wish I'd stayed on here for a month. What your nightly rate is is based on your rank, and they have they have mm-hmm. it all broken down. So if if you're military and you do stay at Shades of Green, you know, uh, um, post some pictures in the group and uh, tell us what you thought of it. You know, I, I've never even visited it. I I've, I have no intention to because I don't have the time to. But I, I would be open to. Um, looking at what you have to say, and I would love to um, see your pictures. Now, Jason, you are eligible for Shades of Green, are you not? No, I'm not. Oh, you're not? No. Uh-uh. Nope, I am, I am just a Marine Corps veteran, and you and, and like you have to be, well, I'm, I am honorably discharged, but 
if I'm not retired, so my other criteria would be is if I was 100% disabled, which okay. I'm not. So, so when you retire. So it's, no, I will never retire from the Marine oh. Corps. Okay. Yeah, I'm done. I'm act- I'm done. I did my four years of active, my four years of inactive. I'm, I'm done with the Marine okay. Corps. So I, I have no ties to uh, the Marine Corps at all other than the tattoo on my soul. So the but for the people that are active duty now look this is this is where i think it's fantastic is um our active duty guys get an opportunity to go down there with their family in between deployments um you, you get an opportunity to go uh i hear the golf course is really see nice that's where there. i come in i have i have technically i have been two shades of green because uh-huh. if you if you go to the magnolia and palm golf course which i've played both um, wonderful mm-hmm. golf courses, and uh, if you're staying at Shades of Green, you get a substantial uh, discounted rate on the golf uh, while you're there. Uh, it's a be- it, it really is a, a beautiful resort. Um, a lot of the rooms overlook the course. They uh, you'll see right off the I think it's Palm 17 and 18 um, that you get to that many of the rooms. Uh, kind of a butt the i think it's the 17th green and the ninth tee or 10th tee um there's a bunch of bunch that uh, overlook the palm and then, and then a bunch overlook the magnolia uh putting green uh entrance and then a few of the uh like the 10th tee uh, but not they're more on the on the palm side like when you drive up it's very like floridian very resort feel it's nice. It's a really nice resort, and I would love to see pictures of you know more pictures of anyone who's who's actually staying there. Uh, see what the rooms are like, the pools. There's a there's a, a nice quiet pool there. There's a family pool. And and I think a big thing too is when somebody's coming from from deployment, or if you've got military families that are uh, that live on base or are continually moving around. They're, they're down there on vacation with people that are of their kind, that understand what they're yeah. going through. You know, I'm hey, I'm from Camp Lejeune. Hey, I'm from Fort Bragg. I'm Army. I'm Marine Corps. You know, but the kids are, are, are military brats. And I say that term loosely. You yeah. know what I mean by military brats. Yeah, they're, they're dragged and, around across the you know, country. They're, they're kin. They're their kind. You know, it's uh, they understand each other. They, they, I'll tell you what, if shit would ever hit the fan, man, that would be the first place I would run to. <laughs> because yeah. I know I got a lot of brothers and sisters who are going to have each other's back. And it's like, that's a group I want to get into. But anyways, um, Shades of Green is, is decent. So please, uh, uh, if you do stay there, you plan on staying there, or you have stayed there, you know, let, let us know what you thought of it. I, I would love to know. And and really, it's, you know, it's a benefit to the to the armed services and, their, and the members of the armed services. They have a lot of amenities that, you know, you don't find it at some of even the nice deluxe resorts. Uh they have free yogas. There's a spa there uh, that you get a substantial discounted rate at the uh, at the spa. Um, arcades, things that you know, things for the kids to do at night. The uh, the party or like the uh, poolside movies they do there for for the kids, and obviously that goes along with it. But you get discounted rates on your tickets. Yeah, I think the only thing you. You're not eligible for is the um, Magical Express, and I don't quite understand why. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sure why. Um, Unless it's just because they are keeping it that separate and that distinctive. Maybe because when you think about the Magical Express, the Magical Express usually stops at multiple resorts. Right. So this one. So it, it, whatever whatever has to transport. There's no. There. 
there's no chance of somebody accidentally getting True. off at Shades of Green that way. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I, and you were. And- I've watched on. My, I think my our last trip. You've never seen people just look so confused and sad before in their life. <laughs> yeah. The are you. What are you talking about? Getting on the Magical yeah. Express? No, getting off at the wrong resort. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. God bless them. God bless her soul. Yeah, bless her heart. Yeah. Poor girl was bless confused. <laughs> She must have done bumped her head. <laughs> Girl, this ain't universal. What are you doing here? <laughs> this ain't where Harry Potter land no. is. <laughs> now they now they have their own bus system. They have their own transportation system just for Shades of Green. Like they have their own Disney Transport buses. It says Shades of Green on it, not Disney Transport. Yeah, I don't think I think they they all kind of say Disney Transport now. Oh, really? Because I mean the the yeah. the ones that I know of that I've seen at you know because when you drive up to the Mag and Palm, you you see the you know you you can see the lobby, you can see the building for the Shades of Green Resort right next to the clubhouse uh, for the Mag and Palm, and I've seen there it's the it's got the Shades of Green logo, so I, maybe they've transferred them over by now. But originally they were wrapped in in Shades of Green Transport just for that. Well, even when you look at the Magical Express buses, they used to all be mm-hmm. Disney World, and now you can get on one that has the cruise ship on it. Or so. the mirrors, or just yes, plain old yellow uh, and black mirrors. Exactly. I, th- I think it's, it, we're, we're getting away from Disney as a whole, in my opinion, of getting so... T- yeah. That's another show. Cast. Yeah. Never mind. I gotcha. Well, but going, going into... Uh, you know, not only do you have the shades of green, but there are also some very steep discounts for um, military park entry. You know, for the park entry for the military and their families. And now, well deserved. And 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 yeah, and, and good on them. You know, it's uh, but there are there are the stipulations, and they are pretty strict stipulations. You know, not and the reason is is, is for fraud. I, I would, in my opinion, I would guess because of that. Look. If if I go down there with um, and I'm active duty and I got my wife and my three kids, you're not gonna have a problem, guys. It's I think it's the ones that are maybe retired that are buying the tickets, trying to pawn them off and sell them to people, you know, on the street. Because you have the the original person that bought the ticket has to enter the park with you, from what I understand, on a day to day basis. If you so or or you must be staying at a resort at that resort to have that ticket tied in with that resort so that you're act- actually actively yeah, they, part of they Disney. Po- they police that, that pretty hardcore. Right. And, and, and for, and good, good on them because it's always the fraudsters that need to be hung in it's, the back. You know, it's, it's beat. only a matter of time before some wall street parent comes down and says, Oh, I've got this active military member that they've paid a thousand bucks a week for it's bullshit. Yeah. No, you're right. Yep. So it's uh, so good on Disney for doing that, and uh, and our military guys that are out there, um, Shane, you and your buddies that are out there right now in the field listening, uh, you know, take advantage of it, guys. You know, uh, when you do do it, drop us a note. Like, hey, we went ahead, we took advantage of the uh, the military discount, and you know what? It saved my wife and I, uh, you know, X amount of dollars. Or, you know, let us know, give us some feedback, please. And how how did your experience differ from if you were just standing at you know any traditional disney resort you know how did just just what what's the ins and outs of it and maybe that'll help someone else who might be on the fence that's uh that is qualified for the shades of green 
um, and may not have even you know known that oh wow Disney actually has a program for uh, you know armed armed forces personnel wow anyways going going back to Shane um, thank you for uh, submitting your post Shane and um, as far as July 4th goes, you know, Scott, I'm going to jump on your toes. I'm just going to give my closing here because I want to go first. Um, you guys have a safe July 4th. July 4th is an incredible holiday, one that uh, it, 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 where you can take pause and, and just love the freedom that you have. You know, love, love, love the fact that you're able to spend it with your family. You know, love the freedoms that we do have, you know, and, and be a patriot and, and continue to stand up for what you don't believe in. You know, that's what being a patriot's all about. You know, if you don't, don't, don't want, uh, uh, infringements on your life, then then stand up and take a stand for it. Uh, you know, it, it, that's what makes this country great is is coming together with with uh, one ideology, and that was freedom. You know, and if your beliefs infringe on my freedom, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. And if if your beliefs uh, want to alter anything in my life or within my castle or my castle, you know, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. You know, it's a uh, uh, freedom is is for everybody, and there's been a lot of blood that was shed for it. So, let freedom ring. Very nice. You know, I've I've actually had the opportunity to spend Fourth of July outside this country. Um, I spent Fourth of July, two thousand six, in England, of all places. I hope you had tea. <laughs> Honestly. It was a lot of fun. We went over for uh, our law school study class, and we had, I think, 20 of us over overseas at one time. And it was a lot of fun being abroad on 4th of July, you know, being told by the Brits, happy birthday to our cousins. They were very welcoming. Uh, I can't say anything bad about the English. I loved my time there, and they were very welcoming on our birthday, and they were they were doing shots with us, drinking with us, and... So it was, it was a lot of fun. But uh, as we do wrap up, uh, Mikey, mm-hmm. we just had a uh, had a sale on uh, themagicalmeltdown.com, didn't we? I cannot, uh, with, with, with any, um, two beers. Scientific I, fact? I, two beers and I can't even find words right now. I don't, I don't, I don't, understand <laughs> the, I don't understand the sales at T Public uh, that that produces the shirts that that I do the, the the graphic design work for, because I see oh shit there's a sale I'm gonna I'm gonna share there's a sale because anybody who's wanting to get a shirt they haven't you know whatever it, they're you know they're they're a little cheaper right now and, and I share that and I'm like ooh it's it's you know you got like 48 hours or something like that and then right the 48 hours is up. And I go back and look, and well, hot damn! Now you got sixteen hours left to buy a shirt. So whatever they're doing at T Public to create the wormhole, uh, where they can actually stop the flow of time for for their 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 shirt sales, I bet if you go to the website right now, you still got about three hours or two hours <laughs> or one hour left to buy a shirt while it's still on sale. I, so you know when I when I when I make a uh, a post and I share, hey, hurry up and get them. I don't control when they start and stop going on sale. All I can do is try to communicate that. And if they decide to extend it, you know, uh, for shits and giggles, then, hey, everybody wins. 
Now, just to just this weekend, we had a lot of uh, we had quite a few posts on our facebook.com slash group slash three sheets page. Uh, there were some there were some fun magical meltdown T-shirts being posted. There Johnny are. Renfro's taking a second bite of the apple. <laughs> second bite of the cloaca is what it is. Yeah, uh, he's, he's, he's just trying to get kicked out. Uh, my favorite yeah. is uh, a guy by the name of C Madge. C Madge, um, yes, got 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 his picture taken in the uh, the Demi Dad is... shirt with. Wait, wait, a... wait, hold on, because right now for Mikey and I, I don't know about the the other two of you guys, but my, I think Mikey and I are huge Trekkies. Okay, yeah, I mean I am, but I, not, I mean I, I, I'm I remember not, I'm not a Trekkie. I'm a fan. I'm we not would, a Trekkie. We would... I, I've watched them all. I I'm guess. a huge Trekkie fan. Maybe I mean, give me my Star Wars. Over yeah, there. I mean Star Wars is is where where it is. I mean, but Star Trek helped bring sci-fi to the masses. Yeah, I think with uh, the the episodic content, mm-hmm. and my dad and I used to watch Star Trek when we would sit at the 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 little boathouse on Little Lake Ufall in Oklahoma, uh, shooting snakes that would pop up inside the marina. And Star Trek would be on. But, you know, um, while C-Madge, which I want to say C-Vag, but that's not necessarily <laughs> right. Desert while, while C-Madge <laughs> was, uh, was, was visiting um, with uh, Data and... Lieutenant Worf. Okay. Lieutenant Commander Worf. Uh, at, at a at a which which blows my mind that his wife took him to a con, a con a sci-fi con. He also met up with someone who was cosplaying as Maui uh, as Maui, and he yeah. looked moderately um, Polynesian. Yeah, it was good. It was a good one, but somewhat thin. <laughs> a lot thinner than um, Maui should be, and a lot um, less less uh, tan than Maui. Uh, it was good. That was a good one, though. I mean, it was a. Good, it was good. It was a good. It was cool. And and you know when when you have that shirt on and you see that guy on the floor, you've got to be like, hey, can I get a picture with you? Because look at my shirt. And the guy's oh, like, yeah. oh, thank you. And he's like, you're welcome. <laughs> well, how about his wife? Um, she met the original team. Yes, yes, she did. Wow. Now is that is that the original from? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really look into it too deep, but I mean, we're talking like the number one. Wait, Tink? No, no I think she was. She was the, the the. She did like I don't want to say motion capture because it didn't exist she, then. But they the animated modeling. her emotes, yeah. right? Yeah, they. Okay. She was the modeling for Tinkerbell when they when the when. So you know, history lesson, real brief. When these animators were drawing, you know. The scenes, they would bring someone in to come and act out the scenes on a stage, and the animators would draw them as they go along to get a form and figure and motion kind of thing, kind of essence. So cool. you you can see you can see it she in was, a lot of a lot of the, uh, Sleeping Beauty. They they recorded those. They did a lot of the Sleeping Beauty ones. Sometimes they ended up being the voice. As for Tink, there was no voice, so they didn't animate. There was the a voice, bell to the. There was a bell, yeah. Maybe she rung the bell. Maybe that's her claim to fame. Yeah, maybe. She's a foley but artist. Yeah, she was. She was the. She was the motion, I guess, subject model for Tinkerbell. Okay, so the other guy in the picture was it was um, the what was it the android? Data. Was his name? Lieutenant Lieutenant no, Commander. Data. He was Data? the bad okay. guy from Master of Disguise. 
so I'm listening to dad, or I'm looking at data, and I'm like, man, that motherfucker got old. And I'm sitting here looking at the picture going, who's this other guy? Who the Michael fuck is Dorn, this? Baby. And Until you just said it. What was he? A, he was uh, a Klingon. Um, Klingon. The, the Klingon, yep. Yeah, see, I'm not uh, a Trekkie love, love at it. all. I, well, I still watch any Star Trek. To I like I'm right now I'm watching old episodes of the original series to get ready for the 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 reboot on CBS right yes the Star Trek Discovery very Jason, excited for that Jason did you see awesome I mean they're entertaining Jason, did you see um uh shit Independence Day well of course I did okay well the the actor that played Data also played that long haired um, scientist at Area Fifty One. Yep. That, yeah, yeah. Okay. that looked yep. right. too much like Randy Quaid to not be yes. Randy Quaid. <laughs> I went to IMDb so many times and I still go because I, I, deep down I'm still thinking that's Randy Quaid. Because fucking if you put a, a, a white wig, a white Kenny G wig on Randy Quaid, you've got uh, Bracken Oak or Bracken whatever, Brackish, you know, I, mm-hmm. who, who in the sequel, huh, he's gay. FYI, yeah. just, just, I mean, I just, you know, because I watched the sequel. I did not watch the sequel. I don't, I don't think I ever saw the Independence Day 2. Nope. You know, it, it he nope. was in Won't it. Won't watch it. Won't he, watch it. Spoilers, he comes back. Um, Goldblum comes back. Uh, Thor's little brother is in it. And um, who else comes back? Oh, the, the Jewish dad, the donut guy. I don't know his name. Harvey... Uh, something. Harvey I should Keitel? know. No, 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 no. I should know his name. Adam should know his name. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he's Jewish. I see well, you're, I mean, try. <laughs> aren't you supposed to know all your tribes? If he's, Jew, if he's a Jewish gay guy, then I should definitely, definitely know his name. No, no, no. You're thinking, you know, Scott's thinking of, uh, from from the first one, yeah. who was uh, Goldblum's boss, who, who had, that to call, Harvey, that was had to Harvey call Feinstein. his mother. Right, yeah. <laughs> that was already <laughs> That's the Jewish gay guy. No, I this, 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 this is the guy. He's got that that sitcom on CBS where he makes donuts. Oh, I that guy. I, I nope. can't think of his name. Drawing wow. a blank. Drawing a blank. What, what's what's uh, up? What's up, Jason? Talk to me. It's not in two weeks. Time, I'm going to go right? break bread with uh, Tim and Adam. We're going to go out to eat and we're going to drink and we're going to talk about you the whole night. Hey, yep, that gives me a bit plan. of a boner. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> well, hey, Mikey. Hi. Pixar didn't happen. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let me get my telephoto lens. <laughs> well, we'll just we'll just see if Scott likes me enough that he's going to join us I'll for have dinner. We, you know, some... with Andrea, I can't leave her at home alone because um, of her condition. Uh, but, uh, we'll, we'll see how her progress healing. We actually go to the doctor tomorrow to get an x-ray. So we'll see how, we'll see how that foot's healing. I'm just hoping Scott can show up to okay. give us a ride, you know, from the well, airport to the harbor. Why don't you harbor. just stay home and watch her or watch your kid? And then, uh, she can come out with the boys. There you go. She's she can't cool drive, peeps. but you can come pick her up. She can Uber. <laughs> it's only what? 45 minute drive. Uh, it's less I, I think that. Kevin's up there about visiting an anyway. So it's less yeah. than that. No, it's about half hour, okay. 40 minutes. Um, I'll break bread right with you guys next year. Yeah. No, you won't, fucker. You're going to break bread with me in like freaking like yeah. 80 yeah, days. Uh, yeah, I was just going like, to say, hour 72, 73. Yeah, we're about three weeks got, out know, from making got less, uh, fast passes. No. Yeah, yeah you've got under three months. Passes. You're under 90. 
Yep. Because we're we're in ninety yeah. now. We just yeah, we're gonna be making fast passes in three weeks. Yeah, they're like eighty something. So oh, yeah, yeah, eighty one. Speaking 82. of speaking of picks, or it didn't happen. Uh, we want to see your picks. So head over to facebook.com <laughs> slash group slash three sheets. You'll find our Facebook group there. Come be part of the Three Sheets Nation. We we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of um, drunkards, Disney drunkards. I guess is the word because <laughs> Thursday night through through Sunday or Thursday night through Saturday night, it's a bunch of alcohol posts, and then Sunday morning, it's just a bunch of uh, how do we soak up the alcohol posts? A lot of a lot of mules mixed uh, this weekend. Yes, what I was seeing, mules. and then. And then C Madge just throws whatever the hell he has left in his cabin into a, into a fucking cup and says, "Hey, it's not bad." The C Madge iced tea. <laughs> get, give me get, give me a dirty C Madge. Can you mix that up for me there? <laughs> now, and speaking of pics, we didn't have him. If if you feel that the photo you want to share may be a little a little too risque for Facebook. Three sheets to the mouse at gmail.com. Number three sheets to the mouse at gmail.com. Surprises. Yeah. So, uh, we want to, we want to talk to you. The best way, the best way for us to find new listeners like you is to share the show. Share what you're listening to. Put it on Facebook. Tweet it. Uh, put it on Instagram. Put it on uh, MySpace, MySpace, uh, got to be still a thing. So put it on MySpace. Put it on your LinkedIn. Yeah, put it on your You'll LinkedIn. You'll get promoted. If you, if you like the show, share it. That's the best way to help other Disney drunkards like you find the show. Uh, and then they can head over to Facebook.com/slash/groups/slash/three-sheets and become part of the Three Sheets Nation. So, Jason, you have already had your closing remarks. Yeah, I have nothing to add other than have a safe July Fourth. And if you call Major. Um, uh, talk shows like the big guys, you know, like the nationally syndicated ones, just stay on hold. And as soon as they answer, just go three sheets to the mouse podcast, listen to us yeah. and then hang out. Three sheets. To the mouse is the new Baba Bowie. Yeah. Just do it. Just... If you're at a golf tournament, like the U S My, open, Mikey's looking at me going, that's so fucking stupid. It's brilliant. <laughs> if you're at a golf tournament, like the U S open yell three sheets, to the mouse after a tee shot. No, with a sign streaking across the fucking green. Fairway, fairway, fairway. Are we going streaking on the quad? <laughs> Through the gymnasium. You are, you are invited. You are invited. Oh, Adam. What's up? <laughs> oh, we're saying our yeah, goodbyes, yeah. aren't we? It's time, we are. Now sorry, it's time to say goodbye from... to all our families. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm freaking working ADA. on all of a sudden. At 11 M. o'clock on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have work shit. Every day okay. of the week. Um, <laughs> it never fucking ends. Um, actually, uh, my closing remarks this week, I want to thank everybody in our, whoever served in our armed forces. My grandfather actually fought in World War II since we were talking about it tonight. So just want to thank everybody who has served, who's ever served this 4th of July weekend. Everybody be safe. And thanks again for everybody for all that you do. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Mikey. What is Jason's fixation with fucking horses? Uh, because like, uh, you wanted to fuck the horse people rode in on at least two or three times this no. evening. <laughs> I said, fuck and the you. horse you. I yeah. mean, why does the horse got to get so the sloppy that, seconds? That, he wants an ec- he wants an equine was, threesome. 
there's a difference between a fuck you as in my middle finger at right now and Mikey fuck you. See, there's there's mine isn't an interrogative statement. I'm not saying fuck you as in like may I fuck you. I'm saying no, dude, fuck you. But but the horse, what Get the it? horse do? Yeah, he's already getting ridden. Ride him again, baby. Fucking right, hey, listen, my guilty by association. Guilty by association. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Guilt by association. Oh. Fuck you and your horse. Yeah, that's that's about about all I got. I mean, yeah. it's you know, if you listen to this podcast and you haven't joined the Facebook group, you are doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, join the Facebook group. Um, we, we we like. We, I don't know. Jason, I, I, yeah, I'm lost. Horses don't have cloacas. They got they got full blown cocks. Well, and horse balls. You know, fuck, fuck you and your for, octopus. For horse, you my for horse cocks. <laughs> for horse cocks and cloacas. From all of us here at Three Sheets of the Mouse, thank you for making our show a part of your Disney life. Thank you for your time, this time, and until next time, so long, just a while. Now Jason wants to fuck a sheep. Sheep are a lot cuter than a horse. (laughs) Oh, you fuckers. I'm going to bed. Good night. (laughs) Good night.